Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. Hi, everyone. This is going to be a great day together. You know, we're delving into Proverbs 10. All right. And it's going to be great. You know, I love what the word says that God wants to declare, disclose, and transmit the will of the Father. And I believe today there's going to be some unfolding for your life and our life in Proverbs 10. You know, Pam, Proverbs 10 is so exciting. It really gives us the duality of how to be rich or how to be really poor, how to be really wise, or how to be really foolish. It gives us both sides of it, and it really connects with our believing and our words. So life, it tells us through Proverbs 10, is really all about flipping spiritual switches, these invisible switches in life. Flip the switch. Flip the switch, somebody. (laughs) And so it really talks about that, and it makes it so simple to understand how that we can set like the thermostat. We're going to talk about that in life for our car. I set it on my side for seven. 70 degrees. So whether it's summer or winter, whether it's hot outside or cold outside, what I have it set on regulates right. the temperature that That's I feel. Good. Yeah. So, honey, why don't we start off like we always do with a word of prayer? Holy Spirit, there is an unlimited amount of wealth in this chapter, Proverbs 10. And as Pam and I and our friends go through it, we just ask that you direct us, help us, lead us. Help us to discover the profitable wisdom and understanding. Unfold this treasure map for us so that we can find our way and make it onto the path that you've ordained for each one of us. God, our friends, there's a great destiny that you have already, with God's help, prepared for each one of us and for them. And so, Father, we just ask that by the Holy Spirit that we get on the right path quickly and that you would turn the light on as we search out the scriptures here and especially Proverbs 10. Make this word known to us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Good to have you guys with us. And as we're praying here, we're in Proverbs 10. So let's get started. Are you with me, Pammy? Let's get it started again. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. Proverbs 10. It says here, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father. I would dare say that a wise daughter also makes a glad father. Right. But a foolish and self-confident son is the grief of his mother. To treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relationship delivers from death. Woo! Mm. I've got wow written in my Bible. And how many times has life proven this out? I mean, there's been people that have had great wealth that 99.9% of the population would never even imagine to have. Great wealth, but not able to keep a relationship with their son or grandson, Right, you know, lose their marriage. The things that money can't put a price on, there there can be no value put on. Mm -hmm. They lose that. You know, the Bible says a good wife is to be chosen above silver and gold. There are relationships, health There's people that would like to trade their billions to get their health back or to get their youth back. Right. Can't do it. Life itself proves this out. Verse 3, the Lord will not allow the uncompromisingly righteous to famish, but he thwarts the desire of the wicked. Isn't that good? What a law. The Lord will not Not allow allow the uncompromisingly righteous to famish. It's like God's like, I will not allow wow, the that's righteous. that's a promise. Right. Isn't that beautiful? That's a promise. For he becomes poor who works with a slack and idle hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. You said that when you were young, there was this older man, this just a powerful man that said, 
consistency is a rare gem. And uh, consistency is just taking one step and keeping being diligent with that one step, another step, another step. And, you know, it's consistency is a rare gem. I like what Dr. Schuler put in one of his books, I believe it was. He said, um, Dr. Robert Schuler said, yard by yard, it's really hard, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. (laughs) And, you know, for me, that speaks to you know, it's the little things, but the persistence and the consistency right. of continuing to pursue and apply those little things one after another. Verse five, he who gathers in summer. So, I mean, this is what this is speaking to. Being diligent. He who gathers in summer and also diligent, but also prudent. Right. To gather in summer means you're preparing for when it's impossible to gather. Yeah, that's right? good. That's really He good. who gathers in summer is a wise son or a wise daughter, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. There's a time to sleep. Yeah, there is. And harvest time is not it. Yeah, sometimes I think we get it mixed up, you know, stay up all night. And then when we get opportunities and it's the time to sow or time to harvest, we're exhausted because we've been up when we shouldn't be, you know, just exhausting ourselves. Where we live, we have the upstairs and we call it our prayer room and also our room we film in sometimes. And it overlooks a pond, it overlooks a farm. And so many times we've looked out there and during planting season, they bring out porta potties so that the people that are working and planting, they don't even have to leave the land because they're diligent. The same way with harvest, they bring them back out harvest time so everybody can just be consistent when they're planting and when they're harvesting. And I think it's important to know when you just need to focus on one thing instead of three million things. Yeah. When I was a kid, my mom, every once in a while, would take us kids to you know, when it was blueberry season or when it was cherry season, she would take us to pick blueberries. I hate picking berries. Do it you? just was not my thing. Because, you know, like, I mean, they give you this gigantic bucket and you start filling it with these tiny little berries. <laughs> you want to get it's a whole like, bunch. Oh, oh, you got to be kidding me. This is just so... But, you know, one of the things I realize, and I know this is going to sound very, very ultra simple to everybody, but you pick blueberries when the blueberries are there, when they're ripe. It's very difficult to pick blueberries when it's out of season and the blueberries are all gone. Right. <laughs> like, don't try to pick blueberries when there are no blueberries. And I know that seems like, well, I mean, who doesn't know that? But we don't apply that principle to life. A lot of times we're trying to pick a harvest, trying to collect a harvest when there's been no seed time, when there's been no sowing. We're trying to get a harvest or sometimes when there is a harvest, we're like, oh, you know, like I'll I'll get to that. I'll get to it later. I'll get that later. You know what I mean? And there's so many times there's opportunities to lower your bill, to Pay off things before there's a late fee. There's just so many ways in life. Can you imagine if you had all your late fees back again? If you're somebody who struggles with paying your bills late, can you imagine after 10 years of getting all your late fees back? I mean, I don't know how much money that would be in your life, but wow, especially if you invested it in a mutual fund or something, you know, oh my goodness. It really is true. The pennies make up the millions. They do. And I think that's even pointing back to what Dr. Robert Schuler had said, inch by inch, it's a cinch. Too many times we want the whole million, but we're disrespectful of the pennies. Right. And the two concepts don't correlate. Well, right here, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. 
diligent, just consistent, doesn't jump, go forward 90 miles an hour and then go five miles an hour. 90 miles an hour, five miles an hour. I think we're, we're such a society of extremes. Go to extremes and then nothing, extremes mm-hmm. and nothing, extremes and then nothing. And I think the Lord's saying, just be diligent. There was this wonderful older man who owned a chain of grocery stores. He was in his 80s. He could be found working in his grocery stores, bagging groceries, (laughs) helping out, like just doing chores that he had young boys from high school working on. But he was there. He had his apron on, working away in the grocery store and then, you know, going and do accounting. And he just liked to be diligent. And he was known for this. People would always say to him, sir, you're the hardest working man. My goodness, you work hard. And he goes, nope. I don't work hard. He said, just steady. Oh, that's cool. But he had said that for decades. Everybody knew it because, you know, to everybody, he seemed like such a hardworking man. He was a steady And everybody worker. was like, oh, he's so successful because he's so hardworking. And he would always deny that he worked hard. He goes, nope, I don't work hard. Just steady. That's good. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Verse six. Blessings are upon the head of the uncompromisingly righteous the upright in right standing with God, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. We talked about it in even the last chapter about your thinking. Blessings are upon the head of the righteous. Blessings move down from your head throughout your life. And when you think blessings, you know, Pam, think of it like this. In our house, when we set the thermostat at a certain temperature, that's the outcome that we're going to get. When we set it at 68, we get 68. Right. Or if you're in Canada, I don't know what that would be. Celsius. But (laughs) but anyway, let's just stick with 68 Fahrenheit. Okay. Set it at 68 Fahrenheit. That's what you get. When you set your mind on blessing, God's word. So this is what we're doing today. Friends, I just want to encourage you, as you're listening to this podcast, you're diligently setting your mind on wisdom. You're setting your mind on God's word. You're setting your mind on blessing, on God's DNA. And as you set your mind on God's blessing, your thinking is really the thermostat of your life. You're setting your thermostat for God's blessing in your life. And as you set that thermostat, blessing begins to manifest. Now, look, if you've been away from your home for a while and you set your thermostat at 68, somehow your furnace was either off or You'd set it really low because you were on holidays and you didn't want to be heating the house while you're gone. When you set it at 68, the house isn't instantly at 68. It takes time. Everybody knows that. It Mm -hmm. takes a little bit of a process. It takes time for the house to either heat up to the right temperature or cool down whatever season you're in. And so this is what we get to do. We set the thermostat of our thinking to what we want. If you want blessing, you meditate on blessing. Hey, friends, let me tell you, if you want trouble in your life, if you want to have a fearful life, if you want to have a life of lack and want, you just watch the world's entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> you just meditate on the world's horror movies and on their constant agenda to normalize dysfunction. The world keeps inviting us to meditate on crazy and the whole let me push the boundaries content. And some feel a little bit comforted by this because, well, at least my crazy isn't as bad as the housewife's kind of crazy, right? But the problem is what you look at and listen to becomes what you believe. What you believe masters all your choices, and the next thing you know, you've set your belief at an all-time new low. You just set your mind on that stuff, and I guarantee you, you will have your fill of it. But if you don't want any of that junk, set your mind on things 
above. That's above, what the Word yeah. says. Mm-hmm. The Word says, do that. Set your mind on things above. And then look, verse 7, and I love verse 7. Proverbs 10, verse 7. The memory of the uncompromisingly righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Now, Pam, I'm going to give you two sides of this. First of all, somebody like your dad. Your dad passed away about a year ago. And when your dad left this world, the memory of him, the legacy of your dad. Huge. It's beautiful. Like, I mean, he's won so many people to Jesus. He has prayed for so many people. He has invested in so many people, mentored people. He's been such a blessing to us. His name is a treasure. And the memory of your dad, just the memory of him is a blessing. It is. Just for me to remember a hug from him and his beautiful smile and his kind words. And, you know, he called me son when my own dad wouldn't be a father to me. Your dad stepped in and was such a blessing as a man of God and as a father to me. There's that side of it. But then there's also this, the memory of the righteous is a blessing. Oh, this is a big deal. Your ability to remember and to utilize your memory in your brain, it can be a blessing when you lay hold of the scripture. So my friend, if you know anybody that's struggling with Alzheimer's, dementia, memory problems, like, I mean, maybe you're a businessman and you just feel stressed out, worried, and you just find, man, my memory's struggling. Take this, put it in your mouth and say, you know what? My memory because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, my memory is a blessing. I'm blessed. I have a good memory. Listen, maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been hurt deeply. Somebody's stolen from you. Somebody's cut you deep. And the memory of it, just the mm-hmm. thought of it mm-hmm. is painful. You know what you can do? It says here, the memory of the righteous is a blessing. You can take that, check it, put it at the foot of the cross. Just right now, take that episode. Father, I take that episode. Yes, Lord. I take that sexual abuse. I take that, maybe it was somebody misrepresented your name. Maybe somebody accused you. Nothing worse than being accused of something and somebody takes it out of context and says something dreadfully ugly about you. You take that thing to the foot of the cross. Lord, I resign from it. Mm-hmm. I denounce it. Yes. I put it at the foot of the cross. And in the name of Jesus, I forgive anybody in this situation who needs forgiveness. And Father, I declare that according to this word in Proverbs 10, 7, that my memory is blessed. That's right. And it's a blessing to me. That's right. So Father, I mm-hmm. just like, Father God, you have chosen to remember my sin no more. I choose to remember other people's sin no more. Mm -hmm. And I choose to not remember this offense and hurt and abuse any longer because your word says here that my memory is a blessing. Yes. Verse eight. The wise in heart will accept and obey commandments. But the foolish of lips will fall headlong. I kind of see, you know, stumbling, walking along, dum dee dum dee dum and then all of a sudden getting hit, you know, a rock or something and falling flat on, on my face or something. Uh, the wise in heart will accept and obey commandments. In other words, if you go, Pam, there's some things in the road there. There's some stones. Watch so you don't trip over them. Or I could ignore that and just go right on and say, hey, I'm not going to listen to that. And I just trip over them and I fall. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of neat, Pam, too, because when you're talking about this, the foolish, but the foolish of lips will fall headlong. It kind of goes to show you that tragically we end up experiencing the outcome of foolish talk. Yeah. When we have foolish confessions and foolish words, and when we speak not from the word of God and from the wisdom of God, but again, setting that um, thermostat, when we've set it on foolishness and fear, then we end up talking foolishness and we almost and fear. trip ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So we end up yeah, tripping true. ourselves. That's really good. That's a great way of saying it. Verse nine, he who walks uprightly walks securely, 
but he who takes a crooked way shall be found out and punished. I think that just speaks for itself. 10. He who winks with the eye craftily and with malice causes sorrow. The foolish of lips will fall headlong, but he that boldly reproves makes peace. Isn't that something? Makes peace. Mm. Peace, the destruction of the authority of chaos. He who boldly reproves makes peace. When it says he who winks with the eye craftily and with malice cause sorrow, does that mean somebody who says something really nice, but kind of inside, they have totally different motives? You know, a lot of times when the word of God talks about winking or when you close your eyes, it has to do with your imagination. Oh, okay. It usually has to do with somebody who's winking with the eye craftily and with malice. It has everything to do with the thoughts and the uh, malicious thoughts in their heart and the motives of the heart. So, you know, they're winking with the eye. They're not saying anything, but they've got maybe a seducing plan. They've got maybe a malicious plan, a deceptive plan, but it's coming out of their imagination. So again, it's funny how we're really hitting a theme here in this chapter about setting that thermostat. Somebody's set the thermostat for something very destructive, and they think they're imagining destruction for other people. And they may maliciously even have the opportunity to execute that malicious behavior on others. But But. what they don't realize (laughs) is that once again, in setting their thoughts that way, they've set the thermostat for their own life. They'll trip themselves. And they'll always wonder why they're tripping themselves. Then they start believing this lie. I've got to be more malicious and more deceitful so that I can, I've got to take care of me. And if I don't take care of me, nobody else will. I've just got to do what I got to do. I got to be deceptive and I've got to steal and I've got to commit fraud and all these things because Nobody's taking care of me, and they don't realize you're tripping themselves. You've set your mind on all this destruction. And so, because you've set your thermostat, you're thinking for destruction, you're bringing in waves of it. It's the law of reciprocity. I mean, this is the thing that God says, as long as the earth remains, seed time Time and and harvest harvest will continue to be. And my friend, just live by this golden rule. What you do unto others that's what's going to happen to you. But it gets multiplied. Yeah, that's good. Right? It gets You don't sow a seed and just get back the seed. You get back seeds. You get back a harvest on it. Verse 11, the mouth of the uncompromisingly righteous. When you talk about the mouth, we're talking about the words. The words, the mouth, the uncompromisingly righteous man is a well of life. Mm, that's beautiful. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Well, there you go. One's with their words, sowing life, speaking yeah. life, and actually is a conduit Healing of living water for and, people, and, and, right? Yeah, life. We've all had that. When somebody comes in your life and just says, Pam, that's really good. You can do it. Yeah. You know, I believe in you, Pam. You're this. I'm on I your side. It. Yeah. Pam, I, I just, you were on my heart this morning. I was praying for you. And I just really believe that God's going to do something special with your life in these next few days coming up. You know, together we can encourage one another as opposed to, it says here that the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So even if they're not talking, their motivation yes. is... Mm-hmm. They want to hurt you. I've seen people do that, you know, where they even practice what seems like compliments, but they're actually practicing triangulation. It's when somebody comes along and there's three of us together, triangulation, and it's like the other person doesn't even need to be in the room. But, you know, let's say you've baked a cake, Pam. And I'm like, hey, you know, you did a pretty good job, but you, you should ask Mary. She's got a recipe for a cake. Oh, 
What she, her cakes are amazing, Pam. Oh, like seriously, wait till you taste. Have you ever tasted one of Mary's cakes? Oh my goodness. Her cakes are just phenomenal. You know, your cake's good. Like I, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, take away from that, but you've got it. I mean, I can see you're interested in cakes and what they're trying to do is yeah. they're trying to put you in your place. Right, right. You know, you, you can make a cake, but it's not that good. So right, don't, right. don't get all like, huh? I can tell there's people out there kind of going, wait a sec. That happened to me yesterday. Yeah. Oh, it's happened to me a lot. <laughs> and you kind of feel like, I that. Well, why oh, do I feel so yucky uh, right now? Let me tell you what. What's why do really I sad? Feel so nothing. Like what's nothing really right sad now. is when people do that in marriage. You know what I mean? It's like I'm going to put my wife in her place. Like, hey, did you see that blouse that um, Jennifer was wearing tonight? <laughs> oh, and like you had already bought a nice blouse, and you're hoping that maybe your husband would notice or say something nice. Like her blouse was absolutely amazing. <laughs> or, you know, when people do that where they work or professionally, somebody just made a presentation or did a job. It could even happen in ministry if someone preached or led worship or they did a Bible study. And it's like, hey, that was good today. Man, you should hear so-and-so. He did a Bible study <laughs> on oh Galatians 2. And oh my goodness, everybody fell out. They were all like just, everybody was getting <laughs> healed. One guy grew an extra eye. It was amazing. It's just, you know. <laughs> but, but you did okay. But you did okay. Yeah, but but that was good. I, like, look, that, I just, I'm trying to encourage you that, yeah. you know, there's, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your encouragement. Triangulation, my friend. Don't um, do it. It says right here, the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Yeah. It's their way even in a in a nice way of putting you in your place and cutting you down to size. Let me cut you down to size. And you know, it's a good thing to really remember. And when we've all had that done to us, so let's make a commitment that we're not going to do that to others. You know, when even we feel insecure and somebody's done something, you know, take a deep breath. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to have a well of life. So it doesn't matter what people do to us. We need to be commit not to do that to others, not yeah. to hurt others like we've been hurt, you know, and people kind of indirectly put you down. Commit in your heart. Use the pain and the pressure of being hurt and demoralized by somebody in this way. Don't do it to others. Don't be a your victim. Don't be the abuser then. Don't turn around and do that to others. Let your mouth be a well of, of life, life for yeah. others. 12. Hatred stirs up contentions but love covers all transgressions. Don't stir up the mud, right? right? right. <laughs> Don't stir up contentions. But, you know, hatred, you know, even in that case, what we're talking about in triangulation, see, that's hatred, the motive of hatred being stirred up with the face of trying to act like you're being complimentary. Right. You're stirring stuff up because your real motive is, it's from the world of hatred. It's not love, but right. it says here, what you just read, love covers all, all transgressions. transgressions. You know, like when I see Jesus in people, when I see people who make mistakes and a mentor or a leader or a boss comes along and says, hey, you know what? Look, don't feel bad about it. Let me encourage you here. You know, like really, I'm you're in process. Some good things are coming out of this. And see, love's covering the air. It's not denying the air. It's not saying it didn't happen. Right. That's important. But it's basically compensating and saying, listen, let's brush yourself off. Tomorrow's another day. And you know what? We're in the process of winning and let's keep going forward. And this is going to keep getting better. You know, to me, that's what love does. Love 
motivates and lifts us up and empowers us. The word says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love never Never fails, fails, right? right? That's so true. Love never fails. Verse 13, on the lips of him who has discernment, skillful and godly wisdom is found, but discipline and the rod are for the back of him who is without sense and understanding. So that says to me, on the lips of him who has discernment, skillful and godly wisdom is found. When you can distinguish between right and wrong, when you can distinguish between what's wise and what's foolish, you end up procuring and getting more godly wisdom. So you end up getting the privilege of having access to reproof, having access to correction. See, God likes to lead us with reproof, correction, direction. Jesus said, repent, change your way of thinking. That's not the right way to go. Go this way. But it says discipline and the rod are for the back of him who is without sense and without understanding. When you don't have sense and understanding, you have no stomach for it. You have no desire to to go after sense and understanding. Guess what ends up happening? You end up experiencing physical ramifications. You end up physically running into the wall, struggling. You know, you and I are good friends with Dr. Don Colbert, and um, we learned a long time ago that a lot of drinks that have aspartame in them, that they're really, really, really bad for you. Your body doesn't even know what, what to, to do, do with that it, yeah. artificial sweetener. And we had a friend of ours who was just insistent on drinking these soda pops with mm-hmm. heavy cook. lace with aspartame, right? Oh, nasty stuff. And he was getting these headaches. And we were like, just gently going, hey, you know, you uh, you really shouldn't drink that because... This is what a good doctor, a friend of ours, says. And I remember he was like, he just kind of looked at us, like raised an eyebrow. I was like, yeah, 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 thanks. Run along, little yeah. little, little people. Yeah. <laughs> Be gone. You know, and listen, he's not, he's not a foolish person by any stretch of the imagination, but all of us can have areas in our life where we've set up a little bit of an altar to foolishness. Right. And That's good we're like, okay, I'm going to be wise in every area, but in this one little area here, I'm going to allow myself just to be, you know, right. a donkey, right. a mule, and I won't take any <laughs> advice. So he wouldn't take any advice. Well, then this wonderful guy started experiencing just debilitating headaches. I mean, lay you out on the ground in cold sweats, unable to function, draw the curtains, need it to be black, can't handle it kind of migraines, and otherwise a very healthy, Mm -hmm. strong person, right? Yes, very strong. And it was like, hmm, it couldn't be what Stephen and Pam were talking about, was it? Like that old aspartame? No, that couldn't be. So it all goes away. But then back again. As soon as he started drinking. As soon as he started drinking the junk again, he tested this probably three or four times. And every time he was experiencing what we're talking about here in verse 13, the rod on the back. Like it was, this was beyond correction. Mm -hmm. This was smack down, lay me on the ground, head throbbing. Yeah, his body was was disciplining him. Yeah. And so now, I mean, he just will not touch that stuff. I mean, like, thank God he learned from the physical ramifications. But, you know, we don't have to be like that. If we will refuse stubbornness and foolishness in any area of our life as kind of an allowance and say, you know what, my whole life, I'm willing to be reproved and directed by wisdom and by the Holy Spirit, then, you know, God can save us from ourselves. Oh, what a blessed thing that is. Verse 14. Wise men store up knowledge in mind and heart. But the mouth of the foolish is a present destruction. Back to ungodly words again, right? When you set your mind on foolishness, your thermostat on foolishness, you end up basically inheriting destruction. You have a statement that says, you know, we were 
designed to bless. Original when we were... Well, because we're made in the image of God, In the image of God. So we were designed to create, to be a blesser, to bring life. In the fall in the Garden of Eden, we started cursing, but really we were designed to bless. And then when Jesus came, of course, he restored us back. Right, because think about it. God is light. There is no darkness in him. So God is not the cursor. Like a wonderful man of God says, God is not the dammer. God is the blesser. Yes. God is the giver of all life. James said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. God is not the liar. He cannot lie. No lies here. Because everything that- He's truth. Yes, he's the Mm -hmm. truth. He doesn't just speak truth. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. He's not death. He is life. So out of his mouth comes life. We were made in his image. So we were designed. That's why we we really fit in a groove when we begin to speak blessing, when we speak life, when we speak light, when we align our mouth with truth. That's why when we begin to speak lies, I believe it even suppresses our immune system. Yeah, mm-hmm. When we act right and in in agreement with covenants that God has ordained, our immune system gets jacked up. It's a beautiful thing. Verse 15, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. See, the rich man, he's kind of like, you know, that's my strong city, Mm. my wealth. That kind of protects me, and that's where my confidence is. And it says the poverty of the poor is their ruin. So it's not even just the lack of money that's the ruin of the poor. It's their poverty. It really has everything to do with what they've set their mind on. 16, the earnings of the righteous, the upright and right standing with God, lead to life. But the profit of the wicked leads to further sin. We've seen that so much. Yeah, because prosperity, even financial prosperity, tends to amplify whatever your thermostat's set on. Yeah. So if your thermostat is set on righteous living, if your thermostat in your mind is set on God, Yeah. Then when you get prosperity and more wealth, guess what happens? You end up becoming more of a giver. Yeah. You become more of a conduit of God's blessing to other people. Right. You end up, if the tithe on your income was X amount, and in case you don't know what a tithe is, God says that it's the first 10% of your increase that belongs to him. And the act of faith in returning the tithe to God sanctifies the whole amount. As your prosperity goes up, the tithe goes up, right. your giving goes you're up, giving, you're, yeah. you're helping more people, mm-hmm. you're giving more money to your church, you're blessing more people, you, you give mm-hmm. more money to Stephen and Pam Ministries. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but this says the profit of the wicked, if your mind is set on wickedness, if that's what the thermostat of your mind set on, when you get prosperity and profit... Ooh, mm-hmm. ugly things start coming up. Yeah. And I've seen this happen, Pam, over. over and over. I've seen people that have had their hearts set on certain things, their minds set on a thermostat with some fear in it. And when prosperity comes in, guess what happens? You'd think the prosperity would be their strong city. Mm-hmm. They'd have confidence. No, no, no. It ends up amplifying their fear. Yeah. They need more medication to go to bed. Now they're starting to drink alcohol going to bed because more fear. Right. Verse 17, he who heeds instruction and correction is not only himself in the way of life, but also is a way of life for others. So you become a conduit for life. And he who neglects or refuses reproof, not only himself goes astray, but also causes to err and is a path toward ruin 
for others. I think this is a spiritual principle that no man, no woman lives to themselves. No one dies to themselves. So whether you live or die, you affect other people. When you are in pursuit of life, you become a conduit for life. When you're in pursuit of foolishness and immorality, you become a conduit yes. of foolishness mm-hmm. and immorality, and you end up contaminating other people. Very good and very true. 18. He who hides hatred is of lying lips, and he who utters slander is a self-confident fool. It's never a good day to slander, is it? No, it's not. Sadly, there's people that, even in Christianity, who think that somehow the end justifies the means, that somehow it's all right to slander people. God doesn't take that lightly. And you don't want to reap, because what's so sad is... God's mercy endures forever, but what they're doing is they're sowing slander, and it will come back on them. Right. Yeah, it's so sad. You know, it's funny, this verse 18, too, how, just to backtrack, he who hides hatred is of lying mm-hmm. lips. That so partners up with what we were talking about when somebody triangulates, when I'm wanting to put you in your place, and so I'm praising somebody else, but my heart is filled with hatred. It's not so much about me trying to praise them as I am trying to put you in your place and hurt you. It's so important that even in leadership, whether it's at a ministry, whether it's a family situation, whether you're at your business and you have employees under you and you call all of them together and you have these corporate meetings, be it at a church or family or work, I think it's important to remember that there are things to be said one-on-one And then there are things to be said corporately with all the other employees. Too many times we blurt out things to everybody. Really what it is is to put that person down and humiliate them in front of all the other staff, so to speak. And that's not right. You know, if if it only pertains to one employee or let's say a family member, go privately and talk to them. But humiliation or group bullying should never be a tactic employed either professionally with your staff or even with a family member. Why should we involve others when they have nothing to do with the circumstance? It's not kindness and it's not the character of Jesus. Philippians 4 verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be made known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to remember this. In the family of God and in life, that other person belongs to the Lord. They may even be an employee of yours. They may be your son or daughter, a child of yours. But ultimately, that person belongs to the Lord God Almighty. So handle other people with that sense of respect for God and be gentle. You don't know what they're going through, where they've been, what's happening. And it's always good protocol to practice Philippians 4 verse 5. Verse 19 kind of goes along with what we just said. Mm -hmm. In a multitude of words, transgression is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is prudent, Prudent. meaning he's got (laughs) foresight for the future. Yeah, and we know that's a big deal. Verse 20, the tongues of those who are upright and right standing with God are as choice silver, and the minds of those who are wicked and out of harmony with God are of little value. <laughs> well, that's because his. it's not because God didn't design that no, person right. to be of great value, but see, he set his mind on nothingness on a low temperature compared to God's way of thinking. His thoughts are out of line with God. He's not thinking any of his designers aforementioned and predesigned and predisposed plans for his life because he's not thinking God's plans. 
He's thinking nothing. Yeah, right. He's thinking darkness. Which is less than nothing. It's evil. And so his mind is out of harmony with God. Yeah. And, and I love what you read at the beginning. The tongue of those who are upright and in right standing with God are, are as choice, choice silver. silver. You always have confessed that for so long. You know, My I've, lips are as choice silver. Yeah. Chapter 10 has given me some great confessions. A lot of times, even when I'm ministering, I'll pray according just to Proverbs 10. I'll pick and choose and I'll say, my mouth is a well of life. My tongue is as choice silver, and my lips feed many. We're about to see here where the lips, I'm going to read 21. The lips of the uncompromisingly righteous feed and guide many, but fools die for want of understanding and heart. Wow. 22. The blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich, and he adds no sorrow with it, neither does toiling increase it. We're talking about the blessing of the Lord, Pam. Right. You know, it makes truly rich. There's a fake rich and there's a truly rich. And he adds no sorrow with it, neither does toiling increase it. I tell you, that has been a revolutionary scripture verse for us in our life, hasn't it? Friend, right now you're listening to Pam and I, and I want you to know something beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is God's will for you. The blessing of the Lord is God's will for your life. The blessing of the Lord is God's will for your life, and it makes you truly rich. And God adds no sorrow with it. In other words, no strings attached, no compromise, and neither does toiling increase it. Your toiling cannot increase the blessing of God. Woo! That's so good. I mean, so how do we receive it, Pam? I mean, we access it. We appropriate the blessing of God. You know how? We come to the cross of Calvary. I'm telling you, don't ever get tired of coming to the victorious cross of Jesus. Because at that cross, Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. Then verse 14, it says that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. Wow, which is Deuteronomy 28. I'm telling you, like God's got the blessing for you, the blessing of Almighty God, the restoration of everything that God intended for Adam and Eve, our great-grandparents, the blessing on them. God has redeemed and restored to us the blessing that was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve all the way through to the promises God gave to Abraham for all of us to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And how do we appropriate it? We come to the cross of Jesus and we confess and renounce all of our wickedness, our sin, but even our, in Galatians, you see, they tried to add to the work of the cross. We confess even our our wrong religious approach to God that somehow we're going to, by work, be justified. It's by faith that we're justified, by faith in what Jesus completed successfully at the cross. So I love coming to the cross of Christ, laying down myself. This is how we pick up our cross. It's a place of decision where we deny ourselves. When I say deny myself, I'm not getting all beating yourself and yeah, oh. I'm not getting yeah. all like caught up into woe is me and right. denying myself. What I'm saying is that I cease to exist. When I say I die, I say I cease to exist to my way of doing things. I cease to exist to my efforts and my losing um, ways, really. My losing yeah. ways, my sickness, my disease. I cease to exist to all my works 
that I might celebrate and, and put alive. all of my focus <laughs> and my being on the life of Jesus and the finished work of Christ at the cross. So my friend, verse 22 is yours. The blessing of the Lord makes you truly rich and God adds no sorrow, no strings with it, and neither does your toiling increase Yay. it. Celebrate receiving the blessing at the foot of the cross because yes. we get all of Christ's blessings. Verse 23, it is as sport to a self-confident fool to do wickedness. Well, of course, that's what he's got his mindset on, yeah, right? It's like, this is fun trying to do wickedness to other people. He's self-deceived, but mm-hmm. to have skillful and godly wisdom, look at this, is pleasure and relaxation to a man of understanding. Wow. Some of you have been trying to go on a vacation and wondering why you come back from your vacation almost as tired out as when you went on it. You know why? Because you're not going on your vacation with godly wisdom. Let me encourage you. If you're going on a vacation, you need to take this podcast of Proverbs and indulge in the word of God. When you indulge in wisdom, here's what happens. It becomes a pleasure to you and relaxation to the man and the woman of Of understanding. understanding. Wow. I hear so many people, I just can't relax. I just can't relax. Well, you know, it says right here that inside skillful and godly wisdom, there is pleasure and there is relaxation. So like you said, posture yourself to listen to this podcast, to listen to Life Talks, to to listen to other podcasts, and just posture yourself even to sing a song, to get into the wisdom of God. Yeah, that's really good, Pam. That's true. Because the thing is, a lot of times we want to know, well, what is God's will for my life? And maybe you and your family have been going through some heavy times, some dark times. But it says right here, but to have skillful and godly wisdom is pleasure and relaxation to the man and woman of understanding. That is God's will for your life, my friend. On the other side, 24 says, the thing a wicked man fears shall come upon him, but the desire of the uncompromisingly righteous shall be granted. Well, there again, the wicked man is wicked. Why? Because he set the thermostat of his mind to not God's way of thinking. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He set his mind on fears. And it says right here, those fears that are in his mind will come upon him. Yeah. But the desire, what you've set your mind on, right. the desire of the uncompromisingly righteous shall be granted. So everybody's getting what they've set their mind on. Right. (laughs) Right? That's true. The wicked have set their mind on wickedness and fear. They're getting wickedness and fear. And the righteous have set their mind on their desires, and they're getting that outcome. It's granted. That's right. Verse 25, when the whirlwind passes. So listen to this. A lot of times we hear about a whirlwind, and everybody gets afraid. But listen to this. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked are no more, but the uncompromisingly righteous have an everlasting foundation. You know, when we read that scripture, Proverbs 10, 25, and it says this, but the uncompromisingly righteous have an everlasting foundation. What comes to my mind, Pam, is in Luke chapter six, it says that Jesus is telling this story. And he says, I'm gonna tell you in Luke six, I think it's starting at 47. He said, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I'm gonna show you what this guy's like. And then he goes on in verse 48. And he says, he's like a man who builds a house digs down deep and puts his foundation on a rock. And when the flood arises and the storms beat on the house, it's not shaken because it's built well. But he who hears the word of God and does not do them, he's like a man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storms and the winds come and blow against his house, it'll fall and great will be the ruin and destruction of this house. A couple of things that I learned from that is that storms will come. Whirlwinds will happen. 
The winds will blow. The storms will come. The floods will rise. But we can build our lives on the rock, on the foundation. And Jesus promised us when the storms come, when the winds blow, that there won't be ruin. In fact, our house, like our life, will be a safe place. Right. So that's God's will for your life again. Amen. 26. As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who employ and send him. Right, row. If you're involved in HR in any way, <laughs> here's a plan. Somehow get this up on your, <laughs> get it up on your, your computer screen or yeah. something. Like have it somewhere where you can see it because I'm telling you, you know, you can train people to do a lot of things, but trying to train a sluggard to work, mm-hmm. that is That's a true. fool's errand. It's yeah. next to impossible, I believe. Unless they repent and have a come-to-Jesus moment. And want to be trained and want to change. Oh, yeah. Verse 27, The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord prolongs one's days, but the years of the wicked shall be made short. Goes back to so many scriptures that we've read in Proverbs. The Lord basically paraphrasing that when we really are in awe of Him and walk in His ways, He wants us to have long, long life full of joy and abundance. That's what I always say sometimes. Thank you, Lord, that I have long, long life full of joy and abundance. Stephen, I have long, long life full of joy and abundance. You're so today, speaking the word. Maybe you guys just want to say that, you know. Thank you, Father, that me and my family have long, long life full of joy and abundance because we seek your ways and your wisdom. That's good. 28. The hope of the un- compromisingly righteous, the upright in right standing with God is gladness. Oh, I like that. Is gladness, but the expectation of the wicked, those who are out of harmony with God, come to nothing. So if you want your hope to come to something really good, put your hope in God. Yeah. The outcome will even be gladness. gladness. Yeah. 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 Verse 29, the way of the Lord is strength and a stronghold to the upright. So the way of the Lord... The way of the Lord is not religious. The way of the Lord is not churchy. The way of the Lord is not old-timey or it's not restricted or restrained. It's not limiting. These are all adjectives that I find people who don't know the Word of God yeah. seem to associate when you say, well, I'm on the way of the Lord. It's like, oh, that's too bad. It's that's like, a, you got to be kidding me. The a way gnarly of the little Lord. road that's mm. got all sorts of stones and weeds and thorns in it. Yeah, it's you, hard to get on. It's exactly, hard to find. And You know you're on the way of the Lord when you experience strength. Right. When you experience the outcome of strength, you know you're on the way of the Lord when you get a sense of there's a stronghold to the upright. Right. But it says, it is destruction to the workers of iniquity. So this is really interesting. There's the duality of the way of God. So imagine this highway of God coming down. The highway of God coming down, it's strength and it's a stronghold to the upright. But at the same time, when that highway came down to be a strength and a stronghold to the upright, it destroyed the workers of iniquity. Like, I mean, it literally came down. And I think that's the cool thing about the duality of God's way is that it's a, you know, a two-headed coin is a counterfeit. An authentic coin has both heads and tails. And the way of God has the good stuff for the righteous, but it also, at the same time, deals with sin. It deals with those who have no regard for truth and righteousness and 
for morality. Yeah, it's kind of like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. There is a law of gravity. It's just a, a principle in this world. It's a law of gravity. And so sometimes I feel like we think, well, God did something to me. God hit me over the head. No, no, no. This is what you've sown, and this is what's happened. The response from it, now God's a merciful God, so He instantly, when we repent and submit ourselves to His wisdom, He can turn things around, but His way is strong. I think sometimes we do need to, not in a bad way, but sit down and really, really think, is my way that I'm walking in life consistently weak and full of destruction. Now, I understand things come in life and just situations, but if our life 90% of the time is always weakness and it seems like destruction, are we really on the way of the Lord? Are we really on the way of the Lord, which I think is His way of thinking and doing things in His way, in His kingdom, in His will? Because if there is no strength that propels us and we're always, always, always weak, are we on the way of the Lord? doesn't mean that we're not Christians and we don't love the Lord, but are we really doing things in His wisdom and His understanding and His way? Well, just as you were talking, you know, thinking about the duality of that and two sides of it, the way of the Lord being both strength and a stronghold to the upright, but at the very same time being destruction to the workers of iniquity. Oh, yeah, that's Think good. of this, if somebody was in the business of aborting babies and the way of the Lord came down, which is to save the innocent. I just read a recent news article that was talking about a man and his wife. They were both doctors and they were both abortionists and they had performed a lot of abortions. And one day someone invited them to church and told them about the good news of Jesus Christ. They received Jesus as Lord, renounced everything that they'd been doing previously and realized from that moment on they were going to be pro-life. And look at how God saving this couple, this doctor couple, is now, on the other hand, saving babies. So God brings down the way of the Lord, which is a strength and stronghold to the upright. So he saves the babies at the very same time that God's saving the babies he ends up destroying the business plan and the grasping nature of those who are enjoying making money off baby parts. For God's way to be truly what it is, it's got to have both benefits for the innocent, but it also has to have the other side of authenticity that brings those in the wrong to either repentance or, if they choose, consequence. God said in Deuteronomy 30, he set before us life and death, blessing and cursing, and he even gives us the answer. He says, choose life, choose blessing. Yeah, that's right. Like, that's good. You, you can't save the person being raped and at the same time not deal with the person who is doing the rape. Right. But you know, in life, a lot of times the world system is they want it to be a two-headed coin. It's kind of like saying somebody been diagnosed having cancer and you say, you know, we're going to try to take the cancer out, but let's just see if you can live with cancer. Well, it just doesn't work. The doctor removes every bit out of your body so that you can live and thrive. So in a way, they are destroying the cancer. Verse 30, Pam. The consistently righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inherit the wicked the shall not inhabit, yeah. inhabit the, the earth, earth eventually. Eventually. <laughs> so there we go. We're talking again to Jesus' picture that he gives us of building your life, building your house on the rock in Luke 6. When you build your life on the truth, 
what you just read for us here in 30, the righteous shall never be removed. Yeah. It doesn't say, well, in brackets, except when there's a big storm or except when there's a flood or right. except when there's a whirlwind or a meteor from outer space. It says the consistently righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth eventually. They may be here now, but they keep setting the temperature, they keep setting the thermostat for wickedness. Right. So in other words, they're basically building on sand and there comes a it's point good. when the earth opens up and swallows you up. Right. Verse 31, the mouth of the righteous, those harmonious with God, bring forth skillful and godly wisdom, but the perverse tongue shall be cut down like a barren and a rotten tree. Wow, it makes you really want to put a guard on our mouths and speak life. It makes me want to dedicate my mouth to speaking yeah. righteousness. And as we've been talking about this whole chapter, making our words in harmony with God's words. Yeah. And I think, where does that begin? Well, first, you got to set your mind. I'm back to this again. Set the thermostat of your mind on God's thoughts. Yeah. Think God's thoughts to talk God's talks. And then you'll walk God's walks Ooh. and your life will be blessed and prosperous. Yeah, that's good, honey. 32, the lips of the uncompromisingly righteous know and therefore utter what is acceptable. But the mouth of the wicked knows and therefore speaks only what is obstinately and willful and contrary to God. Father, we just thank you for your word today. It's powerful. Lord, thank this you, Lord. Proverbs 10, God, is just, it's medicine. It's strong, strong medicine to our heart, our mind, our soul, our will and emotions. And Father, as we meditate upon your word, your word says in Romans 12 too, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Ephesians 3 says that we are to be renewed constantly in the spirit of our minds. And so Lord, as we meditate on this word, God, it's word from you, our Father, and that we ingest it in our thinking and it transforms and rewrites our being. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, our memory even becomes blessed. No matter what's happened to us, no matter what traumas, our memory becomes blessed. Yes. Our legacy yeah. is blessed. And Father, we just thank you thank that you. as we're meditating on this word, our talking changes. Yes. Father, our talking has to line up with our godly thinking because yes. we're thinking your thoughts, Father. And so we declare our mouth is a well of life. Our tongue is as choice silver. Yes. Our lips feed many. We are a conduit of blessing to many other people. Father God, for those who are lost, those who are struggling, those who have maybe built their house on the sand and they feel like their life is beginning to break apart in the flood and in the whirlwind. Father God, you've called us to be able to be a conduit, a safe place where we can speak our Father's word thank into their you, life and be a light in the darkness. So Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for giving us strength, for giving us a determination to be a representation of the living God here on this earth. Father, Father, again, we thank you for the cross of Jesus, thank you, for the victorious, excellent work of Jesus on the cross, yes. and that we get to appropriate all the benefits, all the blessings, all the healing, Lord God, all the wonderful works that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. And Father God, as we appropriate it for ourselves, we become, Lord God, transfer agents of that healing. Yes. 
And Father, right now I speak for my friends listening. In the name of Jesus, be healed. I command your mind to be loosed of all that darkness and all that wickedness. And you lay it at the foot of the cross and right now begin to receive the refined word yes, yes. in your heart and be every bit whole yes. in Jesus' name Thank you. to the glory of God. Exercise your faith and begin to move that ankle, begin to move your arm, begin to lean that ear that's been stopped up for so long into the sound and begin to reach for the healing that God has for you. In the name of Jesus, we command light into the darkest places of your life. We command blessing where there was curse, where there was agreement with demonic spirits in your life. We command the blessing of the living God. Where there was poverty, we command a new mindset that's in alignment with the word of the living God. Where there was confusion in your identity and who you are and a sense of performance in the name of Jesus, we loose you, be set free, come into perfect harmony and alignment with God's word word of truth and with the spirit of the living God. Let there be light and there is light in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for redeeming my friend. I thank you that, Lord God, that they will never be the same again because of the anointed power of the living Christ and his great victory at the cross of Calvary to the the glory of God in Jesus' name. Yes, amen. I'm glad you've been listening and spending time with Pam and I today as we've been just going through Proverbs 10. This is so exciting. But, you know, I just feel that you need to seal the deal right now. There's nothing like speaking the word of God, praying the word of God, and then seeing singing your way into God's gates of praise, into his courts of praise. Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Again, I want to encourage you, get that song at the cross and just sing it. Meditate on it and let it be medicine coming up on the inside of you, expanding Mm -hmm. and pushing out every bit of darkness in your life. We want to help you with life tools. So you can go to stephenandpam.com. You click on the little button that says music, and it'll take you to every single thing where you can get a hard copy, or it'll show you the exact links to the song at the cross. Hey, we believe that your life is precious. It's so valuable, right, Pam? It's so valuable. You are so valuable. And we just want to tell you that you are are born born to win. Thanks for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide.